Hi, and welcome to This Adoptee Life podcast. I'm Amanda, your host, and I'm so happy that you are here. This Adoptee Life is where adoptees can come to explore our story, own our experience, and share our truth in supporting community with fellow adoptees and the world. This is a podcast for anyone who is either connected to or interested in hearing more about adoption from the perspective of adoptees mainly. For my fellow adoptees, I wish to offer um, support, comfort, validation, and hope. Please know that you are not alone. For non-adoptees, I hope this can be a resource and a place where you can come and listen in and learn important information as we share from our experiences and our lives as adoptees. Please follow this adoptee life here on the podcast and consider leaving a review. It really does help get the message out there. It helps us reach more people, grow the audience so that we can put out more episodes and help more people. You can also find This Adoptee Life as a blog and website at thisadopteelife.com. We're on Facebook and Instagram. And why not join the community on the website, sign up to get the newsletter. And that way you will be notified when there are new blog posts, when there are updates and events coming uh, via This Adoptee Life. Now let's head into today's episode. Today, I sit down in conversation with Heather Marshall, fellow adoptee who is a published author and TED Talk speaker. I hope we'll get to um, hear about that experience in the episode. And I have a feeling we are headed into a great conversation. So I am going to hand it over to you, Heather, with a big thank you for being here today and giving you the space to introduce yourself and share some of your adoptee story with us. Great, thank you. And thanks for, um, thanks for having me on. It is wonderful to be here um, and to be able to share with you and other adoptees. Um, I think that's part of what is, is beautiful that has happened over the last few years is that adoptees have been much better able to connect um, than they were when I was um, a younger adoptee and deciding whether to search for my parents and all of that business. So that's, that's a beautiful piece. So I think I sort of jokingly said um, in my initial response um, about coming on that I have recently taken to sort of calling myself a postmenopausal pansexual adoptee teacher writer. Um, those are about the, uh, on the mark. Um, also just learning to really fully navigate life on my own terms, which is obviously an important conversation for any human being, but I think mm. it's particularly um, challenging and important for adoptees that we are able to fully come into ourselves and, and, and begin to navigate life as ourselves for ourselves. Um, I think we have an extra layer that other people don't have. So um, to break that down a little bit, that means I'm 54. Um, I have three children, three grandchildren. I've been in reunion with my natural mother for my birth mother, bio mother. She prefers natural mother. So that's what we roll with Um, for 16 years. and then I was in reunion for six years with my natural father, um, in reunion with him until he died in 2013. Mm. So that's a little bit of background, um, background about me, like yeah. just who I am. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. So I love that you actually said the navigating part because I had that in my notes that I wanted us to talk about. And I've heard from a few adoptees now the word navigate uh, as it relates to coming out of the fog. Somebody said recently, I'm, I'm kind of navigating the fog and, and I, here you are saying navigating life on your own terms. And so I would love it if you would share a little bit um, 
what that looks like to you. What is what's helping you and how are you sort of stepping into yourself for yourself and then able to also show up for others through that? So I, I think, you know, I'm maybe in this way, I mean, I don't know, maybe I'm not, but I feel as though in this way, I'm a bit of a late bloomer. <laughs> I um, think I was a fairly bright kid. Mm-hmm. And what that meant for me as an adoptee was that I sorted out pretty quickly what I thought I had to do in order to maintain my sense of safety in the mm-hmm. adoptive family. And I, I grew up um, in a family that was very attached to rules of, about how people were supposed to be and that there was a right way and a wrong way and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it always felt very, um, well, it was alien to my natural sense of being. That's the best way that I can, the frankest way that I can say that. Um, My fantasy as a child was that I would be sent to boarding school. Just wanted to be sent away and or I wanted, I I fantasized about um, being discovered like as an actress. Um, And I've never actually wanted to be an actress in any way, I think it was about someone coming to claim me from this place where I was, I had the the full mask on. And I had my ins and outs about that, um, you know, rebelled against that as a teenager and um, then sort of settled back into it in my twenties and married the person that I was supposed to marry, Mm. did all of that. And so it's taken me a long time to come to the place where I have sort of come through that fog, that fear and obligation of guilt and guilt, and have really started to settle in myself and begin to trust that I do have good instincts about what is right for me and um, what is nourishing for me, what is the best way for me to live. And I use the word navigate, um, but in my, in my brain, in my intellect, when I think of navigate, I think, well, people navigate using maps. <laughs> ah, I like that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and there isn't one. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I'm, I'm, I'm navigating, I think, with my internal map. Yeah. And, and it's taken me a long time to trust that. Um, I think a number of things have helped. Um, I think age, age has helped. Um, I, I think my children have helped. Mm-hmm. My, um, my children are now 25, 26, and 33. And I think parenting them helped, but also the the faith that they have in me mm-hmm. um, has helped me be able to, to trust myself and um, being in reunion with my natural mother has helped tremendously. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I, I, therapy has helped um, 10 years with a, a therapist that I really resonated with um not she's not um she she's not adopted and she is not uh she doesn't specialize in adoption in any way but I felt that she and I were such a good fit Mm. that that was worth um staying with and she's been very open to that conversation and to learning about and understanding the part of myself that is uh the, the adoptee part of myself that needs that therapeutic assistance or has needed it. Um, and then mindfulness has also helped. I have a, a long-term mindfulness practice and that has, that has helped. Um, and I feel like I've strayed away from the initial question. Can you? Like, no, not at all. I think that? you are uh, still very much on point and, and it's just a question that can be answered with so many turns and additions uh, because it was really, you know, what does it look like for you to navigate life on your own terms and and stepping into who you are and then how that helps you to show up for yourself 
ask yourself for and for others. So I think you are absolutely staying very much within okay. the question. Uh, right. And I, I found so much interesting in what you said and um, the sense of safety, right? As a young yes. child already then. And I think that is what so much of not just the adoptee experience, I think in life in general, we, we you know, we operate on survival. Um, now, not necessarily survival needing to flee danger but everyone is sort of as humans we just we're wired to survive and then as adoptees we have like you said that added layer of always needing to fit in and that trauma in our background of um whether you were able to verbalize it or not for yourself it's there right you were you were present as a baby when when it happened that you lost your your mother um as so i relate to that so much what you said just early on figuring out how do i how do i just make the least um noise possible how do i just kind of make it the make the best out of a situation that on the inside i kind of felt wasn't a good situation but i didn't know that i could even voice that i didn't know that i could feel that way i i would feel um why this family but i didn't know i could question adoption altogether like why even adopt it and i would feel so guilty when I, and I asked that in my head, but also kind of dreaming. I knew from a very early age, I was going to move away from Sweden. And part of that was definitely just, I need, I need out of here. It felt like a prison. It wasn't my life. It wasn't my world uh, that I connected to. I didn't belong there. And so, yeah, I totally, and, and the whole having a mask and kind of playing charade. I mentioned recently Halloween. Um, I only moved to the U.S. as an adult, but I was still very much in the fog. And uh, the whole idea of dressing up and playing a role felt very weird because it was kind of like, that's my life already. That, that's, I already do that. So it's not play for me. That's, that's the reality. Um, so thank you for bringing up all those points. And I can relate, and I'm sure others can too. Um, and yeah. if, uh, let's see, what was it? Yeah, I wanted to ask, did you on purpose say fear, obligation, and guilt as an, because uh, the acronym yes. of that would become FOG? Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I did. And I, um, I, I had the same feelings about Halloween. Um, um, in a, a, a little different, maybe twist, I felt the same thing. Like I, it was the one day that everybody knew I had a mask on, mm. like the only day. It, all the other days I had the mask on and it just yeah. felt weird to like put a mask on a mask right. sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and to be, um, it was just, the, so there were rewards for the initial mask. You know, mm -hmm. everybody's approving when you behave appropriately and you check all the right boxes and you're like, yes, what a good girl, what a good girl. Right. And then to have this other like layer of strange mask, it was just strange. Yeah. Um, and I, 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 I want to note for anybody who might be listening, like, I, you know, I'm, I'm sort of saying here and I'm, I'm navigating this and I'm doing that and I've had therapy and all of that. Um, there are still times when th this whole piece of being fully myself is just terrifying, hmm. absolutely terrifying. Um, and I, I want to honor that for myself, but also for anybody else who is trying to dip their big toe into that pool. Like I want to be myself and th that sense that like, I'm going to die if yeah. I, everything falls apart, you know, if you're in, like in therapy and they're like, and what are you afraid of? Like, well, the whole thing falls apart if I'm actually me, right? Yeah. And I think more for adoptees, um, there is that, that felt understanding from having been given away. Like I was me and it did all fall apart. It's not a fantasy. Right. It's not my imagination. Like I understand as an adult that everything doesn't fall apart, but there's still that like body memory of it could fall apart yeah, and it's there. And so there's that piece of walking with that and honoring that and not 
throwing that experience away or negating it Mm -hmm. in the moving into the authentic self, that holding of the younger terrified self and being able to say, it's okay. It's okay. We're here. We do this thing. It's going to be okay. And we'll maybe retreat for a moment and uh, do some, you know, just sitting with what is to hold that space um, and then, you know, back and forth, back and forth, all of that. So I, I want to honor the, 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 I think it is terror for, for me, it was absolute terror. It's beyond fear. Yeah. Um, it yeah. was, it was so deep seated that it wasn't just, Oh, I'm a little afraid to do this. It was like, no, my whole body says, no, 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 don't do yeah. this. Don't do this. Don't do this. Um, so, so there's that layer to navigating the path. And, um, I think as you probably know, we, we go on for some period of time and things are moving and flowing and we're there. And then something comes up that, um, makes us have that sort of felt sense of like, no, you should just, you should just stop this. It's too, it's too dangerous. Um, Yeah. And and that's, yeah. Yeah. I think that's also part of the, no, 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 not either. That's also, I think part of the benefit of um, something that I've loved about um, finding other adoptees on social media. Um, When I was searching or deciding to search for my natural family, Instagram didn't even exist. So I just had to read what books there were and have at it. Yeah. And um, I, I waited until I was in my thirties um, to do this. I, I, um, I'm originally from Scotland and I, had the so because of that uh even though i had a closed adoption the um my birth certificate was never altered mm-hmm. okay so i had the the benefit um that american adoptees do not have or did not have i think they still don't have all varies by states oh, yeah but yeah so like my um the adoptees I knew who were my age all had had changed altered birth certificates. And what I had access to um, that was wonderful um, and helpful in the journey was um, first of all, I could go and get my original birth certificate. That was a a little bit of a trial because I'd left Scotland by Mm then. Um, But I could get hold of it. And then I also had access to um, all of the social workers notes in conversation with my mother. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went when I was 19 and got the birth certificate and it was just too much um, for me. I did try to go on that same trip back because you had to go in person Okay. to the organization that um had facilitated my adoption and the social worker there, I think she was trying to be kind and thoughtful and helpful. Um, But she asked me questions like, well, why do you want to do this? Hmm. And I was 19 and I was like, well, I want to find out about my mother. Um, And she was like, yes. And why do you want to find out about your mother? I'm like, because she's my mother. Yeah. (laughs) right and and so she kept pushing and pushing and and she was like well maybe you should come back when you know why and I was just not the kind of person who would push back against authority like that and I was like okay you're probably right um and so the short version of the story is ultimately it took me another uh almost 18 years to to go and do that and get the um, get the social workers notes. So I had the benefit of that, which was wonderful. And I, um, went through, um, Birthlink, which is a nonprofit organization in Edinburgh, and they helped, um, 
facility that they had a volunteer searcher to go into the house of records and find out all the information. It was really amazing. And I had the social workers notes, which were helpful in that I then knew, um, a little bit about the truth of my beginning. Um, and I, I also knew, for instance, that, um, my maternal grandparents knew because that was a question for me by that point in time. I, I had children of my own and I, I wanted to find my natural family, but I also had this, you know, wondering about whether my natural mother had told anyone. Yeah. And if she'd gone on and built a good life, I didn't really want to disrupt that for her. Um, And so I was weighing that, like if I find out or I have the idea that no one knows, is it worth it to me to go do it, to upend her life? But it turned out she had told people, so it was all good. And so that has also been helpful in, in knowing her and knowing where I'm from. And I know that a lot of adoptees, do not have that privilege, but that has been helpful for me in being able to be myself. Yeah. Move forward as myself. Yeah, I understand. And I'm really happy that you did have that. I, I am one of those adoptees who don't, uh, I could probably, but it would have to be between DNA and a private investigator because my papers are just not reliable. I don't even use them. I've mentioned this before when I tell my story. But yeah. um, so I, I, I feel this joy in my heart for fellow adoptees who do have that access that we should just have as human beings, like being able to just go, hey, um, okay, I was adopted, but I do want to find out. And so I know where to go. I know who to ask. And I'm sorry that that social worker, you know, kind of not shut the door, but like made you doubt that that was the right time. But who knows? I mean, I'm happy that you have found your mother since and that you did get to reunite with her. And um, yeah, uh, there's so much just in that reunion part for adoptees and that I've said, you know, don't let anybody tell you or make you feel that because you need to know you have that need in you and and that desire like that's in any way selfish or being ungrateful Uh, that's just something that we all have or at least should have the right to know where we come from Um, yeah I agree Um, and it's not selfish I think it's a natural human impulse to know who our people are to know where we're from to, to be able to look at somebody who has some feature (laughs) like like yours. So I, you know, I'm uh, absolutely, you know, not um, an interracial adoptee or any of that. Um, My parents were both, my adoptive parents were both Scottish. I am Scottish. We subsequently emigrated to Ireland and then to the U S Um, but all of my adoptive family, they're all, um, dark haired, dark eyed people Mm. and you're not, you know, (laughs) yeah, there I am. Um, you know, so the good thing they told me I was, um, I was adopted early on because I would have sorted it out when we Mm. went through, you know, genetics and (laughs) whatever class that was that I can't exist in that family. But yeah, just to, to, you know, the, I remember my, um, the birth of my first child, like the power of, of, wow, this is a human that I'm actually physically related to. Yes. And, and so I think for all of us that we all need access to that if we choose it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, to sure. be able to, to be able to, to go and, and like touch that um, and yeah. have the agency to do it's, I think part, a lot of that is about agency to have the agency to do what we need to do for ourselves to reclaim that piece of agency that was taken from us 
Um, I I think a lot of being an adoptee is about that. It's about being able, or it has been for me, about finding my agency. Yeah. Oh, yes, absolutely. And I'm I'm someone who talks a lot about empowering adoptees, empowering myself as a person, as a woman, as an adoptee, and Mm -hmm. then use that to help empower other fellow adoptees. Because I think by having our stories told for us, about us, over us, at us, instead of being asked, what is your story? How do you wish to present your experience and then also you know the gaslighting of oh you're blessed you're you were chosen you're oh yeah all this you know we don't have to go too deep into that but I definitely think that it's so important and I I challenge adoptees to kind of like you can take your power back even just by telling Mm -hmm. your story your way and then grow from there and and then in community like you mentioned how today we have tons and tons of fellow adoptees this is the podcast is one of of the ways that we can find each other and and just know that we're not alone right because I don't know about you but I grew up feeling very very alone in my experience which then turned inwards and making me feel like there was something wrong with me because obviously the right way to feel about this would be to be happy about the adoption and I got to be adopted from a poor country to a rich country and so what's not good with that and you know all that stuff and so yeah I wanted to you mentioned a little bit about your children sort of helping you step into mm-hmm. who you are and, and again with the navigating this um, taking your power back and I find that interesting because I'm also somebody who through my children, so much of my adoption uh, and adoptee experience has been unpacked uh, as a mother mm-hmm. and that connection. I, I didn't, I was not somebody who really was dying for that DNA connection or that, you know, oh, I wonder who my mother is. And one day I'm going to go find her. Uh, I didn't grow up with those thoughts. But then when I had my first daughter, and like you said that, we're connected. It's not just labels. Like we are literally connected through blood, through DNA. Like it can't be broken. Um, no matter where she goes in life and where she ends up in the world, that connection is there. And then that also means I obviously have that with someone out there. Um, and then unpacking things as my kids are my mirror to myself sometimes mm-hmm. for good sometimes right? <laughs> <in> challenging ways <laughs> so yeah I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about like just the experience of um, being a mother as an adoptee and how how things might have unraveled a little bit for you just through that if you're willing to yeah I think I think you're right about the like the mirror piece um, for sure I mean at first for me, definitely, there was that with my first child, there was uh, just astonishing that I hadn't expected or looked mm-hmm. for or anything. I just, when I held him, I just was, oh, right. here we are. Um, and I, you know, it, it, it turned me a little bit in the direction of my natural mother, just thinking about her. Um, and, and I actually had my first child in somewhat similar circumstances to um, the, the circumstances in which she had me, um, but we were 20 years down the road. So mm. I, you know, different culture, different choices available, different, yeah. all different things. Um, and so it, you know, I had that um, in my heart. Um from when he was born, just this, a way of like feeling her, like, wow, this is, this is, this is not abstract anymore. Right. This is what you did. Like you carried me this whole time and you brought me into the world. And then somebody took you from, took me from you just, oh, yeah, that's hard, you know, to think about that, that person in that way. And then 
just watching them as they grew up and 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 some of them reflecting myself yes in in good and other ways challenging <laughs> and then in challenging ways um and then also i think it it just brought up for me like oh i remember this moment when i was five or six or seven or whatever it was and sort of having this almost frozen moment like something would be going on with one of my children they would maybe be asking something or saying something and I would like flash back to a moment that I had where I didn't like ask the question or yell or stomp or whatever it was because I was being good. You know, I was too terrified when I was in what would be the equivalent of third grade. So I must've been eight. Yeah. That's eight ish. Um, And we had reading homework, right? And then we had to go in and individually read to the teacher, this little passage. And I lied to my mother and told her that we didn't have any reading so I could go outside and play. (laughs) Mm. Um, Because I was a good reader, right? And I was made perfect scores on my reading. So that was what was required. And I did it. And um, I I think the fact that I'm still recounting this story will tell you how significantly I said the word minute as minute. So the same word on the page, right? And I read it as minute. And I got a nine out of 10 for that. Oh, no. And I was too terrified to, I was terrified that my parents were, I had to do everything I could to cover that up before anybody found out, you know? And so in these moments, like when my, you know, one of my third grade children is is coming home and is like, great, whatever, you know, I'm like, I would never, I would never have done that. And so there's this moment where I'm like, for me as a parent, I'm like, I'm, I, okay, really your attitude stinks. And yeah. also I'm so glad you can have yes. it. Yes. Yes. You know, like, oh, oh and even now, um, if my daughter sees this, she'll be mad at me, but I'll do it anyway. She, um, you know, just she, but the, you know, they'll call me up um, sometimes and, and, and they're, you know, age appropriate, um, especially the ones in their, their twenties where they're building their own lives and everything. And I don't always know everything. And then I get a phone call or whatever. That's like, ah, this is happening. And that is happening. And adulting sucks. Um, and I, so I'm like still in the experience of that. Yeah. Um, where I'm like, oh, I, um, didn't have anybody that I felt comfortable calling and saying adulting sucks. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so there just was that swirl, like the whole time of like being periodically in, in two me's like the parent me and then the little me and, and, and sort of like parenting my children and also kind of like subtly reparenting myself like giving my younger self that heart that said well you deserve that you know it it, it was okay and so the like the cumulative years of that I think served to um number one bring me to a place where I was um brave enough and ready enough to go try to find my natural parents and yes I did hope to meet them and know them and be accepted by them. Of course I did, but also to the point at which I was stable enough that I felt if I had the secondary rejection, of course it would be huge grief, but I was stable enough to withstand the potential for that grief. Um, And also that I could go just asking to know them not asking them to heal anything for me or to apologize to me or any of that, just saying, hi. Yeah. Can I know you? Um, And I think my, my children and sort of the being able to parent them and reparenting myself to some degree 
really helped me get to a place where I could walk into that reunion okay. Yeah. Solid enough to to take whatever might come. Um, Yeah, because we don't know. We, nope. we don't know what's going to come out of it. It can be beautiful and it can be heart-wrenching and it can be really, really, yeah. like with the coming out of the fog, there were times when I was sitting um, in this really dark moment and just going like, why on earth did I start down this road? Right? I need a way back in, like put me back into the matrix, into the fog. I don't want to have to do. And then going back to how you said it was so scary, right? The healing is scary. Finding yourself is scary because we don't have anything to compare it to. I don't know if you've seen uh, on YouTube, um, Paul Sunderland's lecture on adoption and addiction. He talks about how the adoptee, and I guess, especially if it's an infant adoption or, or when we're very young, um, when you have a trauma, like a car crash or mm-hmm. um, an accident, you usually have a pre-trauma you. There was a version right. of you before the yes. trauma that you can sort of relate back Return to. Return to. We don't have that. And so right. who am I if I heal? Then like I felt at times that I had to mourn myself, the person I had been my whole life up until it was time to try to heal and unpack. Um, so yeah, that kind of just went back a little bit too <laughs> when we talked about that part. But um, I wanted to touch on, you mentioned to me in our uh, pre-recording uh, yeah. communication, how you work to, you, you kind of constantly have to work to avoid uh, triggers or falling back into old patterns and I think that's something that I mean I can relate to and I'm sure fellow adoptees who listen in can relate to and just people in general like how we um in order to be mindful um what that what we have to do in terms of working constantly in conversation with ourselves so if you want to share a little bit about what kind of work is helping you uh what are you doing to sort of keep yourself in that, I guess, mental, emotional harmony and balance um, that might help others? Yeah, I think, um, so I mentioned my mindfulness practice um, and I've had that on and off for about 30 years. Mm -hmm. Um, And then a few years ago, I became a certified mindfulness instructor and digging into that a little more deeply has helped. Um, and, And one of the I teach, um, I teach high school and I, I teach a yoga and mindfulness class. And so the, the key words that we use, um, or that I, I try to help them use are kindness, compassion, and curiosity. Mm. And so having grown up with a lot of shame about myself, um, I thought that my, my, you know, my kid mind, the story that it made up was that, well, if this is better than where I came from, and my adoptive mother was a, an erratic um, person, I'm, I'm not sure that she ever actually wanted to have kids. Um, I think that story is for another podcast or essay or whatever. Um, But because of that, because that was challenging um, and I didn't always feel welcome, I, you know, I internalized that as well. That means that I must be worse than this, which is really not very good. Mm. So I must be pretty bad. Um, And so there was a lot of shame um, that I just carried through this constant, like, I have to prove myself. I have to prove myself. I have to prove that I'm not, that I have to prove that I'm worthy. Yeah. To prove that I'm worthy. Um, And so the kindness, compassion, and curiosity piece, um, I think really the, the kind questioning piece is very helpful to me when I, because I do still feel um, the resurgence of shame. Um, And sometimes it's over small things like, I got busy and I didn't sweep my floors and I come in and I'm like, Oh my God, that's gross. 
shame, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and so the capacity to pause and go, all right, honey, why did we not sweep our floors? <laughs> right? Well, we had this and that, and it's like, oh, okay, well, actually that, that kind of makes sense, mm-hmm. right? Um, or for emotional things to, to dig in. I, I was doing a little of this work today, for instance. Um, my um, children are going to their dads for Thanksgiving. And so, and, and they do not live close to me anyway. So, so that means I'm alone and I've been feeling a lot of resistance to a, a couple of friends invited me for Thanksgiving, which is wonderful, of course, but I feel like I don't go to their Thanksgiving me. Um, and then I was feeling a little bit of shame about like how that old, like you have to be grateful narrative. Uh, like uh-huh. somebody invited you to Thanksgiving and you need to go to Thanksgiving and you need to be grateful that somebody invited you to Thanksgiving. Mm, hmm. Right. Yeah. And so I was just sitting with that today with like, okay, all right, take a breath. First of all, you can do whatever you would like for this day. It's just a day, right? Um, It also happens to be a day that's a little bit fraught for other reasons, right? For indigenous people's reasons and all of that. Um, And so first of all, you can do anything you want with any day that you have. So we're gonna start with that. And second of all, what is it that's wrong with going to these, like, why, why don't you want to go? And I just sat with that for a minute, more than a minute, um, that I started to cry. Mm-hmm. And, and ju- just, so just that, and I'll get to the other side of this in a second, but, but just that, like, all right, honey, what, what's really going on here? Why? Do you not want to accept this invitation? It was given by a friend that you've known for a long time, who loves you, what's up, right? Just kindly, yeah? Not in the like berating way that I kind of experienced as a child, like what's wrong with you that you don't want to go? Just like, honey, what's going on? Why? And when the tears came, I was like, okay, I'm just having a little moment Mm -hmm. where it's a resurgence of this is someone else's family. Yeah. And I don't know that I feel like being part of someone else's family this Thanksgiving. Maybe I just want to be on my own. And just that, like the the shame goes away. There's the, you know, I know that I can get up tomorrow morning and just call them up and say, you know, I really appreciate it. And I'm just going to hang here by myself yeah, because that's what I want to do. And they will understand. And you Um, will be grateful in that for the invitation, but not because you feel like you have to, but because you're feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Previous me would have gone known that I should be grateful, right? Mm. Berated myself and probably not enjoyed it (laughs) because the whole time I would be thinking, I don't want to be here. And then I would also be thinking, well, you should want to be here, right? You should be grateful for this. And so that the curiosity questioning piece has really been helpful for me to be able to investigate myself. And and sometimes it's in journaling. I'm a writer. So that's my that's my go-to place. Um, Sometimes it's just a matter of finding a moment to literally sit still and just breathe for a minute and then, and then ask the question like, okay, what's really going on with you? Um, And and sort of to tie it back to the, um, to the having children piece, I think this was a a skill that I sort of developed um, with my children when they were adolescent and periodically one of them would come home. And I remember one time saying to one of them, could you, could you unload the dishwasher? And it was close to dinner time. And that child said, I don't have time to do that. Oh, my kids never say that. (laughs) 
And um, it, it was uncharacteristic of this yeah. particular child to say it in mm. that way. And then there was, a, and then they went on to a, like, and what is it even for dinner? And I was like, well, whatever it was. <sighs> and it was so uncharacteristic for that child that I just stopped and said, yeah, I have no idea what this is actually about but I am very sure that it has nothing to do with the dishwasher and nothing to do with dinner. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to tell me now, in fact, or ever, but I want you to go to your room, not as a punishment, just to gather some space for yourself and sort out what it's really about for yourself. And I'm going to come check on you. And if you'd like to tell me, you can tell me. And if you don't, that's also fine. But I want you to know for yourself what this is really about. And I went in like five minutes later, big thing had happened, some snark at school, you know, got it all worked out. And so just treating myself in that same way that I would treat one of my children, like, okay, what's going on with you? You know? Yeah, for sure. I love that. And I think I I try to kind of do the same with my kids. Look at it as, I think we hear a lot of times like, oh, crying for no reason, throwing a tantrum for no reason. No, there's always a reason. And then, like you said, apply that to yourself when you're kind of mothering yourself, whether it's, you know, for many of us, it's as an adult. Um, And actually, like I had kind of one of those days today where I'm like, like this and and that. I had to sit down with myself and go, okay, like you said, like I have a, so I have a conversation with myself, right? Right. Where exactly. It's like, okay. It's not because your child said that, or your husband said this, there's something deeper. What is this triggering? Where is it coming from? Why are we feeling like this? And what do we do about it? And yes, it's a whole um, constant, like you said, kind, loving, and even curious. I'm starting to be at that place now where I'm inviting the feeling and can be even curious about it. Like, okay, well, let, let's figure this out. Like, let's right. let a game out of this. And then, you know, so yeah. yeah, I think that can be very helpful to, to people who listen. I hope so, because um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of work to be done, but when we can figure out little ways to do it, um, where we can, mother ourselves where we can create that safe um that safety within and not have to look for it from other people or from the world out there because we may never get it from them it kind of has to come from within but then we can do that in community with fellow adoptees yes absolutely yeah i think that's wonderful and I, i think that piece about being able to do it for ourselves Um, I think it's important in general, but I think for adoptees in particular, the um, capacity to do it for ourselves is important. And I I don't know if this maybe has value for other adoptees out there. I will say that there was a long time where I was resentful about that and Mm -hmm. angry about that. Same. Um, and, And that deserves to be honored, I think, in people and paid attention to as well. So just to note that if there is somebody who's listening or watching, who's thinking, well, okay, that's all lovely, except I'm really angry that I have to do this for myself. Um, I just want to honor that I passed through that as well, where I just didn't really want to do it. It was resistant to doing it for myself because I was like, damn it. I was supposed to have this, you know, like, why didn't I have this? And then at some point just came to it like, okay, all right, Heather, you can be resentful and angry about this for the rest of your life. If that is what you choose to do. And, And that's your choice. Yeah. Or you could try on another shoe <laughs> yeah. that is just, just accepting like, yep, yep, that sucks. And it would have been nice if I had someone when I was younger to be kind and compassionate and curious and make me feel safe. And the simple fact is I did not. Yeah. And I think so for me, I can choose. 
Yeah, for me, such a big thing was because I've, I've passed through the, the grief and the anger and the mm-hmm. resentment towards anyone and everyone involved in my adoption, anyone who ever yeah. touched my life that in some way, shape or form contributed or, or helped facilitate the fact that I'm adopted and all of yeah. that. And I, I, I love that you bring that up to hold space for anyone and everyone where they are in their journey, yeah. right? So it's never about, like, I don't think you can't pull people to where you are. You have to meet them where they are. And then that might empower them. That might give them the safety right. to work through some things and come out okay. But um, for me, the turning point was accepting my anger, allowing myself the resentment feeling that resentment taking away all the pressure of you should well you had like you know growing up in Sweden to parents that were pretty well off like I had opportunities I had I never was hungry I never lacked uh, clothes I never had I always lived in a nice house like on the outside everything was you know Mm -hmm. what else do you could you possibly wish for um but still allowing myself as I was unpacking and coming out of the fog, like the hurt, the, the like I said, resentment, the anger, the, you know, wanting to scream at the world and feeling like S-H-I-T right? <laughs> for several yes. days and months and a long time. And once I was able to, to say, okay, you know what? All these feelings is coming from somewhere. There's a reason. I'm not going crazy. I'm not. I'm having a natural reaction to unnatural things that I've been through. Yes. Yep. And then start turning from there. But it took accepting not my past in the sense of like, okay, well, we're just going to accept it and move on, but accepting myself. um, Yes. And all my feelings. So, yeah, I think that's, that's important too to touch on that as we're talking about healing, as we're talking about, you know, building and loving ourselves that there's definitely, and I, you know, I have days now too, when it's back and forth, it's not a, a we're not walking up, a, no. you know, uh, an even hill. This is, this is rocks. And right. I think and of it as just like and, circles, you know, I'm, I'm here and, yeah. then, and, and then you have days yeah. when it's like, you know what, today's not a day when I'm showing up not for myself, not for somebody else, not for nobody. I'm going to crawl back into bed and just scratch this day off the calendar. Cause that's, yeah, it's not happening today. And that's, yeah. that's life. You know, we're kind of, that's the navigating part, right? <laughs> it is the navigating part. Yeah. And there are storms that. and there, you know, there, there are storms and there are all sorts of things that come up that we have to yeah. navigate and we don't, we, we can't always anticipate those. Yeah. We, um, we, my, I mean, I, you know, have periods where well, I think actually I've given up on this, but I did have periods where I, I would think, right, this is it. I'm here. It's clear mm. sailing from here. And now I'm like, now I'm, I'm more sort of in the moment, like, no, today is a good day. Yes. 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 And maybe I'll get another one tomorrow or maybe it'll be something else. Um, yeah. And I think that like the self-trust part is important there um in that instead of when those other days come being like okay it's just it's a failure i thought i was doing it and now i'm yeah. not doing it i'm better able to not always but better able to in those times sort of say okay it's, it's a day yeah it's just a day yeah it's okay yeah, for sure. Um, and to trust that I will be able to navigate through that and out of it and something else will come um, instead of getting stuck there. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. love that. Um, so I mentioned in the beginning, just want to give you a little bit of space to share about uh, your published work and, and your TED talk. Oh, thank you. What those were about. And I would love to invite you back on the podcast to uh, ask specifically as an adoptee author, that is a feature that I am going to um, focus in on and add uh, in the next year. So when we can dig even deeper and, and really talk right. about your, your books and um, I want to let you be sort of the voice behind your books and by then having me 
read your books and, and we can have a deeper conversation. But for now, I would love to just give you the space to um, share a little bit about, um, about your novels and, and your TED Talk. All right. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so I, um, I've published um, a good bit of like short fiction, um, but then also had a novel called The Thorn Tree that came out in 2014, mm -hmm. which is not actually about adoption at all. Um, it, it does include a um, sort of told in three narrative voices. Um, and one of them is a teenager who, um, whose father has abandoned the family. So it is navigating a little bit of that piece. Um, and it turns out that the, the, this teenager um, was um, an unintended pregnancy. So it, it navigates, it doesn't navigate adoption, but it navigates some of those yeah. themes. Yeah. Um, and then the TED talk is about um, letting go of expectations. Um, and it's really, it's how I learned through um, the lead up to my reunion, to my own, it's, it's about my own like self-searching and how that led me to be able to enter my reunion with both of my natural parents with just that sort of hello yeah could I have a response yeah great and then could we meet um and then just like being in relation with both of them and allowing that to unfold with no guidebook, no, like we didn't, we had no idea what we were doing. Um, and this was back, my mother was in, I met my natural mother in 2007, mm -hmm. no, 2005, and my natural father in 2007. So there was no Instagram, there was no. Yeah, well, even th with th that we hear so many stories today, but every, it's going to be your individual. It is, it is. Story, so. Um, and so there's still some no of real the, guidebook to, to there isn't, but so else. some of the beauty that I took out of that was that I wasn't holding myself to any standard because there wasn't one right. and, and there still really isn't one. And so I think there are things that we can share with each other um, about you know, what, what worked for us in reunion, what we did that we wish we'd done differently in reunion, all of that, what to, what to look out for, what to, you know, internally prepare yourself for all yeah. of that piece of business. Um, but I think one of the benefits of there not being a guidebook is that you can't be doing it wrong <laughs> because sure. like you truly get to own it. Yeah. as your experience for better or worse it is mm -hmm. your experience and so that's with the ted talk is is sort of about me having tried to uh you know offering people this as a like you know thing to try with other relationships just a a, a radical acceptance if you will i think that's yeah. how i entered the reunion relationship was was with the idea that there would be on my part anyway this radical acceptance um, of whatever I, I found that yeah. I was just gonna, okay, that's, that's who you are. That's what this is. And we'll, I'll make my choices literally in each moment as they go yeah. by. Um, and then I just finished a manuscript, um, of a novel that I'm, I'm still looking for a publisher for that is, um, that is adoptee centered. So it's basically about a um, middle-aged woman who has been in reunion with her natural father and she finds out that he has died suddenly. Mm -hmm. um, and it is the aftermath of that with the extended family, which does not go well. Okay. Um, and it is about how that leads her to sort of the final reckoning with herself and being able to come into her authentic self so it's, it's sort of about that yeah. that journey so it is very adoptee centered and as I said I'm, I'm still looking for a publisher so might be another year or two before that yeah. um, comes well, into once, the world but once it's out there I definitely want to read it and, and then have oh, a conversation you. with you about that and I I yes. watched your TED talk and I can highly recommend it I 
whether you're somebody who was in reunion or not, I think it's just a good, um, good advice for life uh, in general, like well, that thanks. idea of uh, entering different relationships or different situations with um, no expectations. Yeah. Not because yeah. you don't deserve the certain things, but because right. it will, you're kind of better set up for um, internal success and in navigating the situation, right. whatever it may be, challenges that come up. So absolutely. We will, I will put links in the show notes to this episode on where people can find you and connect with you and, um, and your work. So thank you. Thank you for sharing that. that. Now, before we close out, I yeah. do have a question for you. It's a question I ask all my guests and um, it's because I believe in the law of attraction and speaking and manifesting, if you will, things uh, into existence. So I want to give my fellow adoptees who come on as a guest the opportunity to speak your dream uh, out loud so that we can all pour energy into that and hopefully see things get better. So my, my question to you is what is your dream for adoptees? Oh, so many dreams for adoptees. Um, I mean, the first dream really is that there would be fewer of us, Mm. um, that, women and families would be better supported to keep their children and and to, to feel and be able to parent. Um, So, so that's, that's, that's one piece. And that's such a large conversation, you know, about how we see women and women's bodies and all of that. So, so there's that hope that, there just wouldn't be so many of us. Um, and then for those of us, you know, I think inevitably there are for many, many reasons, um, there are reasons for adoption where people are, are unable to parent. And, and this is, you know, one of the things that, that happens or can happen. Mm-hmm. And, and so what I really want for adoptees is, the capacity to be able to, from their beginnings, fully inhabit their authentic selves. And I think that requires a lot of education. It requires changing the narrative of the adoption industry. It requires education and support for, mothers for natural natural mothers for biological mothers to understand um what they might do what is actually happening to them what this is going to mean for the rest of their lives Um, it involves um education and training and support for adoptive parents to to the, the capacity to be honest and say you are taking a traumatized human into your life. And this human has these needs that you might not have anticipated when you thought, I would like to have a family. And to give them then the support to be able to appropriate, to support themselves in that journey. And then to also be able to support the child to understand that most of us put on this mask because we don't feel safe so that they could create that space um, to allow children to navigate their grief and their fear and all of that. Um, And that, that takes, I recognize that takes a tremendous amount of heart and bravery on the part of adoptive parents. Um, Ultimately, I think it would lead to a lot less heartache, not just for adoptees, but for everyone involved in adoption. Um, If adoptive parents could walk in understanding that the child is traumatized, that there are these needs, that there are things that are going to come up that are likely at this point in life and that point in life and the next point in life, so they understand what they're seeing, um, that the child might want 
to find their natural parents if it's been a closed adoption or there hasn't been connection or whatever. And, and that's not a slight. <laughs> that's just their, it's human nature. So that's so much training and dialogue and changing of the narrative to, to just be, I want honesty for yes. adoptees. That's what I want. I just I want honesty in the whole process. And I think that that would help so many adoptees be able to find their own honesty mm-hmm. and, and be themselves and have that sense of agency, um, regain that sense of agency much younger. Um, yeah, Maybe that's what I want for adoptees. Really lose it. Not ever really yeah. lose it. Um, yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. Thank you so Thanks. much for, for speaking that dream with us and I stand with you in that. Thank, Thank you. you so much for coming on the show and sharing so openly and, and uh, lovingly. And uh, it's been a wonderful conversation. Thank you, Amanda. I so appreciate being here. Thank you. Thanks. It was such a pleasure to record today's episode with Heather. I appreciate you for listening in and hope that you found something either validating, supporting, or hopeful in the things that we shared about and talked about today. Make sure you follow the podcast and please consider leaving a review to help us grow this community. You can also join said community by signing up to the newsletter on the website at thisadoptedlife.com. New for this episode is the link at the bottom of the show notes. It's a chance for you to support this podcast and the work that we do here via donation. Any amount helps and is deeply appreciated. To those of you who have already donated, thank you from the bottom of my heart. With that said, to all my fellow adoptees, P.S., we are all in this together. Until next time.